0: Thank you so much, Ms. Cheryl. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 122 this morning. The book of Psalms, chapter number 122. I'm so glad that you're here today. We are uh, beginning a new series of messages entitled, I Love Sundays, Making Sunday the Best Day of the Week. And I don't know about you, but uh, when Sundays come around, um, I, I enjoy coming to church, Amen. Oh good, you're with me today. Um, I enjoy being here. Look at that. You can even smile. I love that. Uh, You should stand in my... No, don't do that. Um, Smiling is a good thing. Enjoying coming to church. And um, you know, over the next few weeks, I just want to share with you from the Word of God why Sunday should literally be the best day of the week uh, for all of us. Uh, And I know that payday is a real good day of the week, right? You know that um and if you're retired i know i think it's like the first thursday of the month is a really good week or a really good day of the week uh but sunday should be our best day of the week a day that we look forward to uh and today i want to speak to you on this subject of the right kind of sundays can change your life the right kind of sundays can change your life well before i do that i, I want to share a story with you that i got uh, uh, found this week it says um A little boy was attending his very first wedding. And after the service, his cousin asked him this very important question. said, how many women can a man marry? Two little children. And the little boy said, oh, that's easy, 16. She said, 16? How do you know that? He said, oh, it's easy, the preacher told us. Four better, four worse, four sickness, and four health. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) You won't won't get anything else out of this sermon other than remembering that 16 was the number. But uh, I'm glad that you're here today. And uh, I want to share with you a revolutionary thought this morning. And uh, here it is, it's very simply, Sunday was meant to be the very best day of your week. Sunday was meant to be the very best day of the week. Many of us grew up in situations where unfortunately Sunday might have been a little bit boring, or Sunday was a rat race, or for some of us we grew up in homes where Sunday was just another day of the week. Uh, others grew up, of, uh, up in homes where Sundays was somewhat of a disappointment uh, because it was supposed to be a family day or a day off, but nothing ever happened because the family never seemed to get together, or the wrong things began to happen in our mind, like you had to do yard work and or you had to do uh, chores with dad all day long. And so for some of us, as we remember our Sundays, and this could be even your Sundays today, uh, it's all different type of things that, that we were faced with. For some of us, Sundays were very odd days because they were days that we had to go stay with a non-custodial parent. That's the type of family uh, that I grew up in. My sisters and my brothers, of course, they're all uh, uh, by, um, uh, stepbrothers in, in a legal sense, but I consider them my brothers and sisters. But on Sundays, it was the day that, their Saturdays, it was the day that they all left and uh, went to their non-custodial parents. And so it was a, a, a different kind of day at our house. Others of us grew up in uh, homes where Sunday was full of conflict because church was mandatory, but no one was ever ready to leave on time. So the whole family competed for the bathroom. They bumped into each other, scrambling for breakfast in the kitchen, wolfed down their food and bolted for the door. And then they argued with each other all the way to church. Well, let's pray and have the invitation right now, all right? Uh, and uh, But then you were miraculously healed and acted like saints the moment you hit the parking lots. Boy, a lot of you related with that, didn't you? Uh, that's why we have such a long driveway at North Point. That's right. Covered by trees. That's right. Get you where you're going to get ready for it. But Sundays were different for all of us. But I have good news for you today. Sundays were never meant to be that way. Sundays, actually God made Sundays for you and me. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? The Bible says in Mark chapter 2 and verse number 27, I love this verse. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man. You see that? And not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. God made Sundays for us. And he intended those Sundays, or those, that day of the week, to be the very best day. A day that we wake up and say, I love Sundays. I love going to church. I love being with the people of God. Not because of who the pastor is, or not because of, uh, of the building that you're meeting in. Not because of all of those things, but because that this is a place that we can come, and we can worship God, and we can do it in a corporate sense. It's kind of like studying for a test. You know, you you get the assignment that the test is coming, and you begin to study for it. You get your book out, and you begin to learn, and you begin to do all these things on your own. And then then the day comes, and it's the test day, and you're ready for it. That's the way that church should be. It should be a day that that we've prepared all week for by reading our Bibles and praying and, and preparing ourselves for the best day of the week being Sunday, and uh, I don't know about you, but I enjoy my Sundays. I enjoy coming to church. I enjoy uh, uh, staying there and watching you when you walk through the door. Uh, uh, All of you are different, in case you didn't know that. Some of you walk in and you've got the biggest smile on your face, and you're excited about being here. Others of you walk in and you're ready to give a hug. I like hugs. And so you give hugs. Other of you walk in and you've got something on your mind that you want to share. And so you begin to share. And there's all these different kind of things. But you all come to church, I hope, for the purpose of it being a day that you're excited about worshiping the Lord. Today we live in a world where the pace of life is killing us. And I want to suggest to you today that Sunday is the solution to that if we use it in a biblical sense It feels like we always have way too much to do. And God said that Sunday is the antidote for that. It seems like we always feel pressured. And God made Sundays as the relief. For that, See Sundays are supposed to be a day that literally you can put all those cares aside and all those pressures aside and say listen God it's not about what I'm giving to other people anymore unless I'm serving somewhere within the church. It's about refreshment and even if I am serving somewhere in the church it's not a pressure it's an enjoyment. Listen, I don't ever want anybody serving in our church out of obligation. I don't want people serving in our church because they wake up and say, I have to. I want you serving and coming to church because you want to. Because it's something that you desire. We rarely have time for the really important things. And God thinks that Sundays can take care of that. There's never enough time for family or for the people that we love or the rest that we need. But God designed Sundays just for that. With so much going on in our world, it's easy to lose sight of what really matters. And that's why God created Sundays as the cure for that. See, Sundays is supposed to be a day that is refreshing and to get us back encouraged and back in line so that we can face another week in our life. Today the challenge is that we become like David in Psalm 122 and discover why he desired to attend church. And why it is so special to him. If you have your Bibles, if you'll stand with me. Psalm chapter 122. It's not a very long, excuse me, not a very long psalm. Just nine verses. But there's so much packed in here. And I want to share those with you in the few moments that we have together. The Bible says in Psalm 122, verse number one. And I was. Oh, look at that. I'm not making it up. It's right there in the Bible. I was glad when they said unto me, or unto us, excuse me, unto me, let us go into what? The house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. This is very interesting as you read this passage of scripture. How many of you ever heard that verse, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord? How many of you ever heard that verse before? How many of you ever heard somebody preach on that verse before? Forget? No, no. Um, But I want you to notice something, and we're going to read it in just a second. But you've also heard this verse. And we're going to jump there. We're going to go back and read uh, the rest of the verses. But I want you to see something. Look at verse number six. What is verse number six? Pray for the what? How many of you have heard the peace of Jerusalem? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. How many have heard that? Did you realize those two verses are in the same chapter in the Bible? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Which means that we're to go to the house of the Lord, and that is what is the start and the uh, uh, initiation of peace in Jerusalem. It's when we all decide that we are going to serve the Lord, and we're going to worship the Lord together, and we're going to pray together. And what are we to pray for? The Bible's very specific in this passage of Scripture. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem. So it all starts with being glad that they went to the house of the Lord. Verse Number two, our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Verse three, Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Verse four, whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Verse number six, Pray for peace in Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within thee. Verse number nine. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together. May we gather our thoughts and understand that church really is and Sundays really is uh, meant to be the most exciting day of the week for all of us. A day that we come to worship, a day that we come to fellowship, a day that we come to, to uh, uh, rejoice, a day that we come to, to just manifest ourselves to you and get ourselves in line to where you would have us to be so that we can face another week. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. The message I'm going to share with you this morning is, is different than any message that I've probably shared with you in the past. It's a very, um, and you'll have to excuse it because you know how I am. Um, I'm a very alliterated type of pastor with the way that I preach with outlines. Today, I'm going to be all over the place. All right. So just beware. All right. Uh, This is this is not one of those outlines that you're probably going to go home and and memorize and be able to remember. But I just want to share with you from my heart uh, out of Psalm chapter 122 why I believe that Sunday should really be the best day of the week. I think it begins with the idea that it has to be the right kind of Sunday. You say, Pastor, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. Does that mean that this church building and the pastors and the Sunday school teachers and the other teachers, they are the ones that make it the right Sunday, the right kind of Sundays? No, the right kind of Sundays begin when your feet hit the floor when you wake up in the morning. When you decide that you're going to come to church, it's not about uh, uh, taking hold and saying, Hey, bless me if you can. Make me happy if you can. You know, I, it bothers me when people leave. And, and even if I'm sitting in the congregation, it bothers me when people leave and they say, Well, it was nice to be at church, but I didn't get anything out of what that preacher said. Well, that music, it was all right, but it really, you know, could have been a little better. You know whose problem that is? Not the preacher's faults. Not the person that stood up here and sang's fault. It's your fault because you haven't gotten into a place where you realize that I am the subject of making church what it is to be. So today, we're going to look at it from the book of Psalms and just from some other passages of Scripture. If you're in the habit of taking notes, you can look in your outline there on the back of your bulletin. First of all, the reason that David liked to come to church and thought that Sundays was the best day of the week is because he liked being with God's people. He liked being with God's people. Look at verse number 8 with me in Psalm 122. The Bible says this. uh, Peace be within thy walls. Verse, I'm sorry, verse number 8. For my brethren and companions' sake. There it is. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. He says, hey, I like going to church because I like being with my brethren and my companions. I don't know about you, but I enjoy when people start showing up at church. I really do. About, uh, uh, you know, I get here about 6 30, 45, and, and uh, I get everything settled that I feel like I need to get done before everybody gets here. And, and then I kind of just mosey around. And then the first car arrives, and I get a smile on my face. Because I like when people start showing up, you know, because I don't like to be by myself. It gets lonely. You know, people start showing up and they begin to tell me about their week and tell me about all that God's doing in their life. And that's the way David was. David liked going to the house of the Lord because he liked being with God's people. Sundays were designed to be exciting and enjoyable because not only are you able to worship the Lord, you have the opportunity to be with like minded Christians. And in many cases, unlike during your work week, you're, you're, you are able to share, you're able to enjoy. You know, we come to church and we begin talking. Talking about the things that happened during the week and we begin talking about the events of the week and we're able to share and actually sometimes even counsel one another and give each other advice that's good godly advice because we're fellowshipping with God's people and I think that's so important I think it's important that we have that someone once said and I, I love this thought fellowship is a place of grace where mistakes aren't rubbed in but rubbed out fellowship happens when mercy wins over justice i love that thought you don't come we don't come to church for people to rub things in our face we come to church to get it all rubbed out to get it all mustered out to get to get everything in our life back to where it needs to be this should not be a place of judgment this should be a place that is filled with mercy and filled with love and compassion Fellowship happens when mercy wins over justice. Listen, you shouldn't decide, well, I need to stay home this Sunday. I need to stay home this Wednesday. I need to do this because I'm afraid of what people might say to me because of something that happened in my life. Listen, that should be the total opposite of who we are. We should be the embracing and loving kind because here's the truth. I don't know about you, but I woke up with flesh on my body this morning. I'm going to make mistakes, right? Right? We're all going to make mistakes. If this was a perfect church, you would have never invited me to come, I'm telling you. Because I'm not perfect, and neither is anyone else. We all make mistakes, and this should be a place that we come and embrace one another and care for each other. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and what? Edify one another, even also uh, ye do. The Bible says that we are to lift one another up. We are to edify each other. He liked being with God's people because, A, it was a place of comfort. It was a place of comfort. George Eliot said this. He said, what greater thing is there for two human souls than to feel that they are joined for life? To strengthen each other in all labor. To rest on each other in all sorrow. To minister to each other in all pain. To be one with each other in silent unspeakable memories at the moment of the last parting. That's what fellowship is. It's encompassing each other and everything that's in your life. And loving and caring and being compassionate for one another. In the difficult times and in the times when we're on the mountaintops. That's what church is all about. It's a time of comforting. It's a time of being with one another. This should not be a place of judgment, but rather a place of comfort to those in need that walk through our doors. We are here for one another to comfort. Listen, I'm encouraged. And, and, and this may sound odd to you, but this is the honest truth. I'm encouraged when people walk through our doors and they walk over to me and say, Pastor, would you please, please, I'm begging you, would you please pray for this in my life? And they begin to pour out to me things that are happening in their life that are difficult circumstances. And then we can turn around and we can pray together. You know what that tells me? That they feel like their church is a place of comfort. They feel like ch- that, that someone at the church and people at our church care about them and care for them. You know, all week long, we have, we have different methods of being able to communicate the things that we pray for around here, and I'm thankful that we have a church that is caring. This morning, as I walked around, people began to ask me about this person and that person. How's this person doing? You know why? Because this is a place of comfort, a place of comfort. Not only should it be a place of comfort, it should be a place of edification, a place that we lift one another up. Listen to me this morning. I know, and I'm going to be honest with you, I know that we all come in with different struggles and different problems every Sunday. I do know that. But this is what I also know. That when you just ask... When you just take a moment to edify someone, when you just take a moment to say, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. When you take a moment just to say, hey, listen, I want you to know that I'm going to help bear that burden that you're going through. There is nothing like knowing that someone is praying for you. There's nothing like knowing that someone is going to edify you and encourage you. That, that goes a, a long way. It goes a million miles to know that someone is there praying for you. Many of you know the story of my sister and uh, my sister contracting uh, stage four uh, breast cancer. And uh, me coming to the church and of course you know that I was very upset and, 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 and God was God was already beginning to work in her life and we didn't even know it. And then she began to go through these different stages in her life with cancer and, and, and through four treatments. And, and it was 12 week span of those four treatments. And every single week, every single time I would walk through this door without, without hesitation, somebody would say, Pastor, I just want to know how your sister is doing. Pastor, I just want you to know I'm praying for your sister. Pastor, what's the update on your sister? And, and, and I'd get texts and I would get Facebook messages. And, and you know what that did for me that edified me and it's the same way that's happening with you and then now we can stand here today and I can tell you that after four treatments and stage four cancer there is not a cancer cell in her body you say you say pastor how is that possible it's possible because you prayed It's It's not nothing to do with those doctors or that chemo or anything else. It's because the people of God edified one another through prayer. I'm telling you today, prayer works. And this needs to be a place that we lift one another up and encourage one another and strengthen one another. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 2. The Bible says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to what? Edification edification lifting one another up we live in a world that is full of discouragement and defeat therefore church should be a refuge of encouragement and a refuge of strength c.s lewis said the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are to live in a circle of those who are number two not only did he want a fellowship but he wanted to honor god why do we come to church? Why should Sundays be the best day of the week? We can honor God all week long, pastor. We can do that. But there's something about honoring God corporately. There's something about uh, uh, worshiping the Lord through music. There's something about uh, opening the word of God together and, and, and being edified through the, through the scriptures. There's something about that that just brings honor to God. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. God is honored when people gather together to worship him. Honoring God should be a daily practice in our lives. And then by being faithful in your attendance to church, you are showing the Lord that you are putting your honor into what? Action. Into action. You know, I love my wife. I love my wife with all my heart. And you know what? I can stand up here and I can say I love her. And I can tell you that I love her. And you, you might even think, man, he's the best husband in the world. He just tells everybody that he loves her. And I try to. But you know what? If I leave this pulpit and go home and treat her like garbage, do I love her? No. Can I tell you something? Love is not manifested in a public display. Love is manifested when we decide that we are going to honor one another as a husband and wife and treat each other as God would have us to treat us. It's the same thing in the world. You can go around and you can tell everybody that you love God and how wonderful you are. You can carry your big Bible underneath your arm and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But I'm going to tell you something. That is not honor. Honor. Honor is when we decide that we are going to worship the Lord in his midst, even if nobody else is around or if everyone else is around. That's what honor is. It's putting that honor into action. Not as men-pleasers, as the Bible says, but as God-pleasers. Isaiah 25.1 says, O Lord, Thou art my God. I will exalt Thee. I will praise Thy name. Why? For Thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. I will extol Thee. I will honor Thee. No person was ever honored. Uh, Calvin Coolidge said this. No person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward of what he gave. And I don't know about you, but Jesus Christ gave the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life. It is at minimum that we should honor him. That we should edify him. That we should lift him up because of what he did for us. How do we honor him? First of all, we honor him with our lips. We honor him with our lips, with the things that we say. We honor him with our lips. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Listen to me this morning. If you're going to say that you honor God, you have to honor him with the things that you say. Does that make sense? In everything that we do, we have to honor the Lord. Listen, I know that that situations get difficult and, and moments get tense and they get heated. But can I tell you that no matter what happens in our life, our job is to honor and edify and glorify God with our lips. With our mouths. You know, there's something about words. And I wish that God could somehow change this, but that's the way that God made it. Once I've said it, I can't get it back. Have you ever wanted to get it back? Have you ever said something and you're like, you know? And then there's something about memory. The person that you said it to, they have a hard time forgetting. Right? That's why it's so important that every day of our lives we decide that we are going to let no corrupt communication proceed out of of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of of edifying, lifting people up. Our communication with man and with God shows the very core of our hearts. Our words should honor the name of Christ in public as well as in non-public areas. Our communication. Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, then they are insulting to God, You say, Pastor, what are you, where are you going with this idea of the lips to prayer? I want you to know something this morning that when it comes to the things that we honor God with, do not be afraid to open up to God with your mouth and, and literally tell him the needs of your heart and your life because he already knows them. So be bold in your prayers. So many times that when we pray to God, you know, we're like, Lord, uh, uh, would you please bless this and would you please help this? Listen, that's not boldness. Boldness is saying, God, this is the problem that I have in my life and I'm claiming you today that you are going to answer it according to your will. It's boldness in who we are. It's boldness. Honor him not only with your lips, but with your life. With everything that you do. Honor him with your life. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the what? Glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Look at me, church, for just a moment, and if you don't get anything outside out of this message, I want you to get this. No matter who you are in this room today, there is someone that's looking up to you. There is someone who sees you as an example. And the Bible tells us that as Christians... Whether, therefore, you eat, or you drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything that we do in our lives should bring honor and glory to Him. You say, Pastor, uh, 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 everything, every every moment of our lives should bring honor and glory to Him. Because if we're not bringing honor and glory to Him, we're doing just the opposite. That's why it's so important that we honor him with our lips and with our life. Everything in our lives should be pointing ourselves and others to Christ. We should be God-honoring people with our lives so that we may see Christ in our lives and others see Christ in our lives. Take a step of faith when God gives you a vision because you trust that the one who gave you the vision is going to make provision. And for the record, if the vision is from God, it will most definitely be beyond your means. Listen, if God tells you to do something with your life, do it. Whatever it is that God tells you to do, just do it. Let me tell you why you love Sundays. Because Sundays are a day that we come to church and we can be challenged to live a life that is a, a pleasing to God. Number three, and I'm going to be quick. He wanted to do what God asked him to do. He wanted to do what God asked him to do. In, in verse number f- uh, four, in the last part of the verse, to give thanks unto the name, or excuse me, uh, yeah, to give thanks unto the name of of the Lord that's what God told him to do and he wanted to do exactly what God had told him to do the Bible says in Deuteronomy 11 verse 1 therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgment and his commandments always he wants we, we should be challenged every day of our lives to do what God wants us to do obedience is the greatest act we have as a Christian to show our appreciation and love for Christ it is an outward demonstration of an inward change it's an outward demonstration of an inward change. Elizabeth Elliot said it this way: "God is good because He is God. He is worthy of my trust, and He's worthy of my obedience. I will find rest nowhere but in His holy will, that is unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what He's up to." <laughs> what a great thought! What a great thought to do what He's asked me to do. First of all, He demands immediate obedience. He demands immediate obedience. When God tells us to do something, there should not be a delay. Now, I don't know if you have children like my children or not. This idea of immediate obedience is sometimes a struggle. Just my children? No. Um, you know, the idea of immediate obedience, you know, it, it's, it's time to go to bed. And, and I think that translates in little brains. Well, we have like 10 more minutes. It's time to go to bed. Oh, but I have a boo-boo and I have to go to the bathroom and I need a drink and I need this. and I... No, the, what, what we expect in our home is immediate obedience. It's time to go to bed. Boom, we're in bed. That's what we're doing. It's the same way with God. When God says, hey, it's time to do this. It's time for, for you to, to get on board and, and I want you to do this thing right here. It's not, well, Lord, can I just wait a few weeks? This is the classic one. I love this one. You know, God's told me to do, and you fill in the blank, but I'm still praying about it. What do you mean you're still praying about it? God's told you to do it. You do it. It's immediate obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's an immediate thing. What God says is best is best though all the men in the world are against it. so John Bunyan says. John Bunyan said, hey listen, when God says to do it, no matter what anybody else thinks, we should just do it. Then he expects not only immediate, but complete obedience. Complete obedience. Meaning that you finish the task at hand. If God has called you to do something, you should finish the task. But that that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. It's a complete obedience. It's doing what God called us to do and told us to do immediately and completely. I I, I found this quote. I don't know who it's by, but I, I love it. If you tell God no because he will not explain the reason he wants you to do something, you are actually hindering his blessing. Have you ever told someone, hey, will you go do this? And they turn around and say, why? Why? I worked in the armored car industry for for several years, and and as I went up in the rankings and I became a a branch manager, you know, I would tell the guys, hey, listen, I need you to go over here, I need you to do this. And it would be after hours or whatever, and they'd look at me and they'd go, why? And I'd look at them and I'd go, because you like your paycheck. Listen, why should we do what God has called us to do? Because if you don't, you are hindering a blessing. Now listen to me this morning. You're not only hindering a blessing, you're hindering a blessing from God. Have you ever thought about that? You know, people in their lives, they wonder, well, why isn't God blessing me? Why aren't things going the way that I think they should be going? My first question to them is, are you obeying? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Listen, in my home, my children know that that there are some things in life that are, that are more high priority than others. And they know that when it comes to obedience, and it comes to being on their best behavior, when it comes to doing the things that they ought to do, listen, that it is a, it is a pivotal moment in their life. If they choose to do something different, it will not be a blessing that they receive. Right? I don't know about you but I don't want to hinder the blessings of God because I have no idea what he may have for me so I'm just going to immediately and completely obey number four he wanted peace for those who love God he wanted peace for those who love God verse number six pray for the peace of Jerusalem they shall prosper that love thee he wanted peace Now the Lord of peace, 1 Thessalonians tells us, uh, uh, himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The Lord is the one who grants the peace. Someone once said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference because he is praying for me. And we can have peace because he's praying for us. We can have peace in the good times. When things are going great. He wanted to to have peace for those who love God. There's peace in the good times. Now, the Lord of peace himself, uh, uh, excuse me, now the Lord of peace himself, give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The Lord will grant the peace, and then he'll grant you peace in the difficult times. He will give you that peace when things are not so easy in your life. John chapter 16 and verse 33 These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So you can have peace. Number five and I'm done. He committed himself to the prosperity of the house of God. He committed himself to the prosperity of the house of God. Look at verse number nine. Because of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek the eye good. He committed himself to the prosperity of the house of God. Ephesians chapter 2, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together go to an holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. It is a moment that we want to allow, the, the, uh, the reason that we want to go to church is because we want to allow the church of God to prosper. He was committed to faithfulness. He was committed to faithfulness. He was committed to coming no matter what. Uh, The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, you know the verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He wanted to meet together, and then he was committed to serving. He was committed to serving, to serving the Lord, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. See, Sunday should be the best day of the week. It should be a day that we're excited about serving God because Of what God's promised to those that do not forsake the house of God. I want to give you some some statistics and I'll be done. I think you'll find these interesting. These are actually statistics that were rendered together by secular psychologists or sociologists. And they've studied the benefits of church attendance. Now I want you to follow this for a minute. What they have found is that those who attend church regularly, number one, they live seven and a half years longer than those who don't. And yet some people say they don't have time for church. Right? These are are secular sociologists that are doing this study. They live seven and a half years longer than those who don't. They they are 56% more likely to have an optimistic life outlook than those who don't. Right? A good outlook on life. They are 27% less likely to be depressed. And that's huge in this day and age. I'm just being honest with you. 27% less likely to be depressed. They are 35% less likely to get divorced. Now that's a big number. I know it doesn't seem like a big number, but that is a big number. 35% less likely to get divorced. They have a higher average, or higher average levels of commitment to partners, higher levels of marital satisfaction, less thinking and talking about divorce, and lower levels of negative interaction. And they achieve higher grades, get your kids in school, Um, and practice better time management. It's very interesting. These are secular sociologists showing and proving that it's better for people to go to church. There is no way to convince me that church attendance on Sundays is optional. So today, let us all fall back in love with Sunday. I don't know about you, but today we have that opportunity to fall in love with church all over again and to realize once again that Sunday is the best day of the week. I don't know about you, but I love Sundays. It's different for me for, for Sundays, as you can only imagine. But I'm, gonna be, I'm just gonna shoot straight with you for a moment. And I'm about to say something, that, and, and, and I know there are many people that listen to sermons online, and so I'm about to get in trouble. I've been in ministry since I was 19 years old. And I've served as pastors, as assistant pastors, different areas of ministry. And a year and a half ago, when I showed up at North Point Baptist Church, I'm, I'm, I'm about to say something that I'm just going to tell you. This is as transparent as honest that I've ever been with anybody. When I showed up here, I'm going to be honest with you. Church was a difficult thing for me. I didn't love coming to church. You say, whoa, 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 you're the pastor. I know who I am. I get it. And if you were honest with me and we all stood up here, there are days you, didn't love, you don't love Sundays either, alright? But I was struggling with church. And I was struggling with, with loving the idea of church because of baggage and, and issues that had happened in my past with church. And when I showed up here, I found a church that God has placed us in and that God has placed you in as a place that we can fall in love with church. I don't wake up and dread coming to church. I don't wake up and wonder Is church going to be fun today? Is it going to be exciting? Are people going to be excited about being at church? No, I wake up and I say, who's the first one that's going to be there? Who who am I going to greet? Who am I going to be able to encourage? Who's going to be encouraging me? Church is now a, a time that honestly, I have just fallen in love with the idea of coming to church. Now, let's be honest with each other. And I've told you, I'm going to be transparent like I've never been before. Some of that was my problem. Right? But some of it was also the problem of individuals that have turned church into an organization and into something that, that, is, uh, something that is required, something that is clicked together, something that, that is formed that nobody can get into. That's not church. That's not church at all. Church is something that we come to, that we open the arms like Jesus did on the cross, and we invite everybody in. I want people to love church. Listen, I want my kids to love church. I don't want them to wake up and say, Daddy, are we going to church? This is is the honest truth. This is my Samuel. My Samuel, he said, this is what he'll say to me. We'll come to church today and we'll go home, we'll eat dinner, we'll wake up next day. Now he'll say, Daddy, we have two days until church. I'm telling you the truth. And then Wednesday will come and Wednesday will go and he'll wake up and he'll say, Daddy, we have school, school, that off day. Sometimes church day. And then we go to church. My kids love coming to church. That's the way it should be. You know why my kids love coming to church? Because you love coming to church. That's why they like coming to church. I don't know about you, but I want to fall in love, obviously, with Jesus, which will allow me to fall in love with church. Sundays. Should be the best day of the week. Maybe buyer hasn't closed her eyes.